brain soda. Don't go chasing waterfalls. It's the Brain Soda Podcast. I, as always, am your host, Kyle, here with my co-host, Brad. How's it going? Frog is out on an adventure this week. We will be discussing bread, but first, Brad, Dr. Demento broadcast an unknown artist who we will go on to know as Weird Al Yankovic, and we will be discussing him today. Oh man, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I actually really am too. And like in the time in which we were starting this podcast, it, simple discussions and things like that, weird, the Al Yankovic story was coming out and uh, I was hype. I was really, yeah. really hype. I was too, but then I heard it wasn't the great, or it was like, he made it a parody. Movie. It is absolutely, it wasn't really. listen, I, so spoilers to a certain extent for the film, about mm-hmm. three quarters of the way through the movie, you get the plot that is the final arc that Pablo Escobar is a huge Weird Al fan and kidnaps <laughs> Madonna to <laughs> to get him to play his birthday party. And, like, once I realized that was the way the film was going, I was like, this went off the rails, bro. <laughs> like... <laughs> You got you got this guy playing Pablo Escobar doing Hey Ricky shooting his gun in the air like but <laughs> yeah but I feel like if you know Weird Al even just mm-hmm. the projects he's involved in that aren't his musical endeavors dude is is that I also learned in my research that he had done a previous faux parody biopic called the complete owl really when did you do that what yeah like what year oh early 80s i didn't even write it down because like it is it is more like a compilation tape i would say from the things i was reading about it it Mm. is more like a home video release there is very much promotional material laden without It, Mm -hmm. it it was of note to me that this isn't even the first time al had done it and the fact that al did it came from a funnier die sketch for a number of people growing up, they don't have the 10 or however many years previous of Al covering most popular music to base it on. His last album is 2014. I was just going to say, yeah, like his last album, 2014, would have been, what, 24, 25? Exactly. Mandatory and like, So, like, he yeah. kind of was just on the tail end, but he was still producing songs. Uh, Trying to Catch Me White and Nerdy is the one that comes to mind to me with uh, Ryan Nerdy. That's Nerd. actually one of his better performing singles of all time, right? Really? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah. So let's get into it. So around the time that Al was graduating high school, now his musical chops really came from a door-to-door music salesman who he was given okay. the choice between a guitar, you know what, however many dudes have used to pick up chicks <laughs> in the history of guitars, mm-hmm. or an accordion, and of course his parents chose the accordion. Okay. Around the time that he was graduating high school, of which he was the valedictorian of his class, wow. he actually began to earn a bachelor's in architecture. He was the head disc jockey at his college radio station. And during all of this time, Al is throwing tapes at Dr. Demento. So... Initially, he had a very crude recording of a song called Belvedere Cruising that was about his dad's Plymouth Belvedere. And Demento hears this tape and, like, Mm -hmm. thinks there's some clever, funny lines in it, throws Al's stuff out there. 
Um, during college, he comes up with the My Sharona cover and covers it and records it in the bathroom for My Bologna. Okay, so that was like, was that his first single though? That is actually the first record contract he ever gets. Okay. Spins out of that recording. So he meets the Knack, the band that made My Sharona, and tells mm-hmm. them, like, hey, yeah, I did this cover. The lead singer likes it. He goes to the head of Capitol Records and is like, you should give this guy a deal. You should put this out on a single. Yeah. Really? And they do. And he had like a six month recording wow. contract. Like, he did not stay with Capitol Records for long. But I, I did find it to be very funny that, like, yeah, he he it records is. it in the bathroom. Now, in, in the film, to reference that again, it's a local, <laughs> it's just a local, like, big dormitory-ass bathroom. And, like, it, it was his college radio station's bathroom and the acoustics within that that he used. But <laughs> anyway, um, so he then, like... Is is becoming more and more well known on the Doctor Demento circuit and in his little crowd of performers and stuff like that. And another one rides the bus mm-hmm. was actually recorded live on Doctor Demento and had kind of gained enough note that there's a recording of him doing it on what they called like the Tomorrow Show, okay. which I believe is like a like late show. Of its day, right? The late, late show and things like that. I believe that's why Tomorrow Mm -hmm. is named as such. But at that point, and like, well, fast forward, he had been on the road with them in 81, developed his own band across 82, and by 83, he is coming out with his initial release record, and I... At Weird Al in 3D, his second record is one of the ones you hear about the most, and people love it so much. Like... What kind of what hits? Uh, eat it, eat it is probably the biggest known oh. song off it and stuff like that. But I'm I'm gonna go mm. out and just say this really quick. I feel like if you're familiar enough with the music of the time Al records a record, they're all worth a listen. Mm-hmm. The only yeah. one I ever hear people really like knock on in my research was Poker Party. Poker Party has about the same production level and quality as. The regular Weird Al Yankovic record, right? The first record. And mm-hmm. I think maybe just some of the cover choices, things like that. Like that, okay. that is one of the things that people don't really enjoy. And like, that's really about mm-hmm. it. Like, I don't, out of all of those 14 albums, obviously there's some upticks and downturns, but like, if you know music from 1983, you're probably really going to like Weird Al in yeah. 3D. Yeah. No, like, what I didn't realize until, like, I got older and actually listened to some of his albums was that, like, he made songs of his own. You know, like, yes. he didn't... I mean, well, I guess he they're all of his own. But, like, they're not covers, you know? Yeah. A lot of them are polka songs, too. Yeah. But, like, really, there's not really, like, too many that became, like, big hits except for, like... uh I lost on Jeopardy, right? Or is that even is that a cover of something? Okay, so I lost on Jeopardy is actually a cover. Of, I cannot remember the band's name. I, I listened to it this morning, okay. but yeah, it so is a cover that, of, it, of a it? song called Jeez. Jeopardy. Yeah, um, and yeah. and look, so crossed all of Al's albums, mm-hmm. you hear typically four things. You hear direct mm-hmm. parodies of hit singles or what they call pastiches like dare to be stupid is a devo cover in air quotes but 
there's no Devo song that sounds like Dare to be Stupid. It is a, like, interpretive song yeah. in the style of Devo. This is the common conception okay. for Devo. I will do this Devo, air quote, song. Then you have the melodies, which is, like, here's a random assortment of songs, and I'm just going to do them polka style for, like, 30 seconds apiece, kind of mashed mm -hmm. in and overarching across the song. And then you have his original works. Now... The thing that I would say shines through in most yeah. of those original works is dark sense of humor. For me, I, I think the most successful one, and a lot of people argue that it's a a parody of Extreme, which the music video is, but um, You Don't Love Me Anymore, I think. But amongst fans and the fact that it was a single with a video might be his most successful... Okay. I don't think I've heard of that one. Uh, ...original. You might have heard me sing Maybe it back I have. in the day. I probably have because I, I want to. Yeah. I've been on many Weird Al binges too. You know, like I just sometimes just go and listen to a bunch of his songs. I so mm. I learned this within my research. Albuquerque is actually like a pastiche of essentially. There's like some okay. not very well known band that performed a song or a couple songs. In that style, that like mm -hmm. weird narrative, conversational at the same time, talk sing style while like somebody's jamming out in the background as like an underlaid track before it, it broadens out to a big chorus. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, wait, what? Albuquerque is not an original song from Weird Al. It's a pastiche. <laughs> like, no. Like, I, I was just flummoxed. So, like, it's really, yeah. Like, it's almost all of his hits are are that the one question i do have is did you research at all as like what he's like as like a, a person you know like because like even when he's in like acting and stuff he still acts like you know like jokey and stuff like that like is he like that really you know or is it more of just an act so i think i think even just in his media appearances you can tell that mm -hmm. al is like a i don't want to say well read but definitely like a regular guy like he is just yes a totally normal dude, but then, like, like if you were to have a work relationship with Al Yankovic, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you see him at the office, and everything's cool or whatever else, and then you guys have this project that you have to do together, and you figure mm -hmm. out that he is this, like, super eccentric, high-level comedic sensibilities and yeah. weird interests. And you would be like, man, I worked with Al from work the other day, and he was weird. <laughs> but, like, in a good way. That I feel like yeah. that is exactly what somebody would say coming home to their significant other, walking in the door. Hey, honey, how was work? Listen. <laughs> I that's kind of, that's how I get, like, the feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know, because I've seen a few of his interviews and stuff, and he seems just like, he seems like a type of guy that would, like, just be like a normal guy. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Celebrities are normal people still, but you, do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I think when you're Al Yankovic in 1985 mm -hmm. through 1995, mm -hmm. everything you have to do is as the persona of weird yeah. Al. And then once you get that 10 years of being in the spotlight, I mean, he had a little bit of a slump after UHF. That's mm -hmm. what I was getting into next. And we'll go okay. there after this, but like, after that, and like you have a television show and things like this and that, you've been cemented into the legacy of pop culture. Yep. 
And like, once people are coming up and asking you things as fans, as other members of media, and you're not just the guy who does parodies, you know, what I mean? you're not just the random celebrity for whatever, mm-hmm. you know, random film you decide to drop in on or whatever it may be. Like, exactly. You like become he's a, he became a, a celebrity more... onto his own, you know, right. like he's not just a parody of celebrities. So around 85 within 3D, you, you have the fact that like he's covering the biggest songs of the day. He's being featured on MTV very heavily. And I think that's another thing that lends to part of Al's success is the fact that like even his early recordings, many of them have, of course, very cheap, but par of for the course mm-hmm. in the day, music videos. Yeah. Like, Al being featured on MTV very regularly because he was someone who had music videos to go into rotation, like, is, is one of it. Obviously, you have to have a level of talent and comedic value and things like that to make those parodies work and be... Yeah, I mean they're the good. They're good MTV. parody music videos. They really are. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Eat it may be one of the ones that I feel works the best because it is like shot for shot, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, like that's what I always the think video. of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 to be honest, it feels like some of them, the concept has to kind of get in the way to make it the way that it is, mm-hmm. and some of them it is just because it's a send up about food. Or send up about his weight or whatever. Like his Michael Jackson ones are, and, and and Michael Jackson's music videos were so iconic too. But like it is li- again, literally like one exactly. For one. Like you could parody a Michael Jackson video, yeah. and like if as long as it's good production, it's gonna be nice. Yeah, just because of the Michael Jackson video. The, like, and the those were it, usually yeah. like the yeah. lead offs to his stuff, mm-hmm. and like so after. I would say in 3D, if not, is one of people's favorite early records. You have Even Worse. Which, like, if we're talking about Mm. parodying Michael Jackson, the fact that you have the black zipper jacket, the pose, the the designing of the Mm -hmm. record is to be bad. (laughs) The bad. But it's just Even Worse. (laughs) It is good. Ah, Chef's Kiss, baby. I loved it so much the first time I ever seen that. (laughs) It's good. But yes, I just saw it today. I was looking yeah, at it. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is one of those or, things that the song you sent is, me is from, was from even that worse. album. Yeah, yeah, that's where I saw and it. And like from, that. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into that. So even worse has like some covers that like in. I watched several different people doing like tier list videos of his stuff, and like nobody likes the money money cover alimony. Here she comes now, wants the alimony. Bounce. <laughs> I haven't heard that. that one. I like it that one. I like that one, and I've never. Oh, kind of sounds a little misogynistic. Well, but, yeah. I, okay, yeah, right. I guess you could, yeah. but like it, and the, okay, so that is one Still. thing. Like, m- out of all of the things I've ever heard or seen Weird Al do, the only one uh-huh. I think has ever gotten any smoke in the era that we're in mm-hmm. now is probably Fat. Yeah. I guess, because, like, yeah, that's not, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it is, like, ableist or yeah. whatever you would want to consider yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but, so, after that, you had UHF, which, like, Orion Studios had really been banking on. And it's just called UHF, or does that stand for something? If you don't know what that means, it's ultra-high frequency. Most broadcast television in its early days were on uh, very high frequency, and this is ultra-high. So, essentially... Anything after 
like 15 channels is on ultra high frequency. Okay. And then the thing is too is like if if you were to try to modernize it to today's domestic television, it would be like you have channel five, five point two, five point three, and five point four and five five point four just shows westerns. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's just stuff that's in public domain or or they've licensed yeah. out, right? So in that you have all of these different trailer callbacks and big gags and things like that and like uhf is a cult classic to this day for a reason it is a really funny film and like despite whatever controversies he's had michael richards in the film is great and weird al is too but orion really was banking on this as a production company and it did not go very well now mind you they were they were up against a, a heavy summer because that's mm-hmm. like the year Batman came out and like mm-hmm. so much different stuff. But like, yeah, it the, the film financially did absolutely horrible. And slowly over time, though, more and more people really, really have caught on to the film and gave it an audience after the fact. Which, I mean, to be fair, you know, you're you're facing some of the largest films of the day in your time of release, but like, you know what I mean? Aside from those films, he's probably outlived however many other ones that were more successful than UHF in its time in theaters, which yeah. is, I, I would say is a big success. But so he had, he had pretty mm-hmm. much most of an album in the bank in the years following this, but didn't really have a good lead off cover for said album. And like with so many other things in music, then Nirvana happened. Smells like Nirvana. And, <laughs> Yeah. One thing about Al is, though legally he is not required, out of his decency and a professionalism and courtesy, he will always obtain permission. Like, if you notice, Prince Mm -hmm. never has a cover. Or even a pastiche, I don't believe. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it's because Prince would never give him the clearance to cover his music. Now. And I bet, okay... Now, I think the reason why he did that was because he didn't want to deal with any, like, ba- like backlash. You know, like, I, I think yeah. it's a good move, though, to do that because, like, yeah. yeah, you don't want to, like, how are you going to get big if, like, you're constantly stepping on toes? Like, especially nowadays, I could just imagine. So, he wasn't able to contact Nirvana until they were on the set of Saturday Night Live. He calls Kurt Cobain and asks him if they would be willing to allow him to do a parody mm-hmm. and Kurt kind of famously, at least for me says like, well, what is it going to be about food? And Al goes, well, no, it's actually about how nobody can understand your singing. And he goes, Oh yeah, that is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and later, uh, Kurt, apparently he really felt Nirvana had made it as a band being covered by weird Al. And like, if you really look at how much made it mm. may or may not mean, in my eyes, with hindsight, obviously, it means a lot because even worse, in 3D, mm. but it probably his two most successful albums up to that point, were both covered by two of the most well-known Michael Jackson songs of their day. You know what I mean? Like, that—that that is a huge deal mm-hmm. to be the lead-off single. And exactly, also, yeah. the thing that you parody the late... the 
the front album cover because it is instead of being the baby chasing the dollar bill in the pool, it's Al <laughs> in a pool going after a donut. I think I've seen that one. That's funny. <laughs> that actually kind of like revitalized Al's career throughout the early nineties and, and some would say inspired a lot of his best work. Yeah. Then he gets a television show for one season known as the Weird Al Show, and that theme was on Running with Scissors, the album that he does in ninety-nine. After he had had LASIK eye surgery, he had grown his hair out. And, like, for the large part, there's a generation or two now that has grown up with Al not having the huge, like, aviator glasses and curly hair and mustache. He's always had that, hasn't he? Like, the curly hair and everything? Like, isn't that, like, his signature well, look? Well, look at a picture of him now. He versus have... 1985. No, he has long... He has curls to his hair, but, like, yeah. in 85, it looks like he's got, like... It looks really... Like, perm. It looks like he has a perm oh, almost okay. in, in the 80s. Yeah, versus now where it's more like, I have curls yeah. to my long hair. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You have all of these albums that spin out after that whole look... Mm -hmm. change and i i feel like that also is around the time where al is getting more and more involved in other media but like he had been in mm -hmm. every naked gun film he had been in a, a couple other leslie neeson films like he does the opening for spy hard he was in johnny bravo which i think is funny <laughs> that's a show but... yeah. yeah yeah no it, i was gonna say cartoons is really one of the places i feel like you could have any different mm -hmm. person that you'd ask where's the first place you ever heard of weird al and it would be okay. just that there was some random episode of one of my favorite childhood cartoons like I don't remember it happening, but when I was looking up stuff, he appeared on Eek the Cat. Really? And I loved Eek the Cat as a kid. Yeah, if I yeah. remember Eek the Cat, yeah. It was just another thing on the Fox Kids mm. channel. That's that's all that it was, was just another cartoon of its day. But, like, for me, it was one of my cartoons. Yeah. Day. You know what I mean? Sure, and like, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, he had an appearance on that. So, like, I can only imagine how many other little Kyle Moores there were in the world that were watching Ink the Cat one day, and then, you know, hey, Al, I'm a big fan, you know what I mean? I love your song. And he's like, don't sing that, idiot! As soon as you do, we'll be paying royalties for the rest of eternity! Do you really want that? And, like, being like, who is this guy? I want to know more about Weird Al. But at this point, now, today, mm -hmm. you have Al's life becoming film and and again, parody. Mm. He he is a long time. Although he's not like straight okay. edge, he doesn't abuse or use alcohol or mm. drugs, right? And he is also vegetarian. Okay, at minimum, I think he's actually vegan. In weird though, by the by the end of the film, he's like slamming a fifth of Jack Daniels on the stage <laughs> and just being like, you know, out there alcoholic rock star and like that's not al mm -hmm. and like that's part of the point though is that like he is parroting with weird the biopic mm -hmm. of musicians yeah the whole because like they'll really i mean 
a lot of those aren't very truthful. You know, it definitely paints a story, a positive story on every single musician. Yeah. And like, like it cuts out a lot of the crappy stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is actually yeah. on the Roku channel. And that is one thing. Oh, wow. That is one thing I will say is like, I, I don't know why it's on Roku. Like I, I feel like, weird. I feel like if anything, Roku is pulling in Orion and banking off the fact that Weird Al, by this point, has been in the mainstream consciousness of pop culture mm-hmm. for 40 years. Yeah. 83 to 23. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, granted, the film came out in 22, but... Yeah, exactly. You know, that they're banking off the Weird Al name and all the cameos that... Because that film is just ridden with cameos. And it is an excellent film. Is I it? love it. I suggest it to everyone. Yeah. But it is definitely like UHF. It, it, this one's a film nerd's loving interest because of all the cameos the other mm-hmm. one i would say and it, and it's you know a pastiche of films right like if you like musical biopics this film is like dissecting them and working with them making them malleable uhf is because it's parroting trailers of films and things like that and like conan the librarian and things like that i I don't know like he is i would say he's probably one of the most iconic people in america at least you know like it's uh, like yeah he's on the hollywood walk of fame as of 2018 too that was another thing by by fan campaign Mm -hmm. i mean that you know i i feel like he might get some pushback for from certain people because he is the parody guy air quotes right but like mm, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's enough people who recognize it. He's like an elder statesman of comedy, let alone of, of music and pop culture. Exactly. Like, he really is. I don't think one thing that he does not have is a bread song. He has the rye or the K- the Kaiser. So I guess that is a bread song. Matter of crust. Never mind. Matter of crust. He does. Uh, I don't know. I've never heard it. I just had to look it up. But... <laughs> So I guess Weird Al does have a bread song. <laughs> but yeah, so bread. Cal, have you ever heard of it? Do you know anything about it? Are you familiar with bread? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's I mean it's pretty common. It was like one of the first inventions of modern humanity. So it's been around for a while. <laughs> So really quick, one of the things that once you said that I was thinking about, I'm, I've been playing this game called Surviving the Aftermath, which is just like a SimCity type like simulation game, but it's set in a post-apocalyptic thing. And like there's resource trees and development trees that like you get to develop new buildings and mm-hmm. things from that. And one of the hardest foods to make in the f- game is bread. And I literally, when you told me this was going to be your topic, I was like, why is this so hard to make? I mean, it's not that hard to make. I think it's the flour. Exactly. Right? Yes. It depends yeah, on it's what. It's filling the flour. Yes. Because, like, I mean, if you're talking wheat, then yes, it is. It's pretty. It's it's a complicated process to actually, like, especially if you want white flour, you know, or the flour that, you, or like, if you want the bread oh, that yeah, you get. You have to bleach it. Yes. Well, the bleaching, okay. I, I didn't really look up the bleaching process, unfortunately. Um, but, but that's where you would get white flour. From, exactly. Right? Yeah. But I know, like, right. when you, you, you strip everything out of the flour. So, like, not, not everything, okay. but like you strip all the you know the germ and everything from it, the outer parts of it. The wheat germ. 
Exactly. Um, I think they do add some chemicals, but I think it's not something. It's something like it's some type of uh, acid or something like that or a salt. Right. Okay. Exactly. But like, I mean, bread in your basic form is literally just water, salt, often yeast, naturally contaminated or not, and then a type of flour. So like, it doesn't have to necessarily be wheat to for it to be bread, obviously, right? So right. like, like it could be all sorts of stuff, and we'll we'll get into some of the different grains and stuff later. The big thing about bread is that to be called bread, you know, you're you're mixing those things together. You often knead it. You usually keep it nice and moist. Like it's not something that you like dry out. You mm-hmm. know, like some things you want to dry out when you cook, or you know, it has to be a dough first, essentially. Essentially, yeah. Like you want it to be yeah. a dough. Like I don't think there's any like breads that you like mix up and then let sit. Like there's no no bake breads <laughs> um, right. yeah because the the chemical processes that happens when it cooks it it changes the structure of it okay and the, and it's also it's it's fermented too and the fermentation is something that really makes bread to me extremely interesting because you're like you're eating almost you're eating like you're eating mold every time or fungus every single time you're eating bread and i don't think a lot of people realize that you know, like, they know there's yeast. Yeah, because I thought cheese. Like, that was when you were, like, you're eating mold. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, cheese? Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's not a mold, but it is a fungus. Right. So, like, uh, fungi consist of yeasts and molds. So, yeasts are almost, uh, yeah. they're separate from molds. but And, like, mushrooms, you know, I guess. Right. Um, so, the first evidence of, like, any, like, bread making which this might not have even been bread making, but there was evidence of starch residue on rocks and like this from like pounding plants on them, you know, or like to oh break up. Oh my God, the initial milling. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, grinding stones mm-hmm. with, with some fabrous. Yep, like yeah. fiber. Um, wow. They were thinking like mostly like starches from like roots of the plants or like, um, or maybe yeah, even okay. like cattail, yep. like stems or I think roots of cattails and stuff like that. Um, but this was back in like 30,000 years ago. Okay. So like humans have been around, you know, modern humans about 400,000 years. Okay. So really we're talking, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that 30,000 years ago is when it first happened, but still this is, this is pretty late. Known recorded evidence mm-hmm. is, yeah, is saying it's closer to like us than we would think. Right. Exactly. It's closer to, uh, to modern humans than it is to the beginning of humans, you know, it's actually pretty crazy to think about when you when you're like yeah. really like putting that into, into perspective. Like we haven't been like agriculture and all that stuff has not been around. Agriculture is even shorter earlier than that, or, you know, which we'll, well, I'll talk about right 10, now. Ten thousand BC, right? Exactly. Yep, around ten thousand. Now the oldest evidence though of like actual bread making though was about fourteen thousand five hundred years ago, and that was in this Natufian okay. site in modern day Jordan. So, do you know where Jordan's at, or a general area of where that is? Adjacent to not, yeah, to Saudi Arabia, right? Yes, like it's in it's in the Levant, yeah. right? So, like it's north, I think, of uh, Israel and all that. You know, it's like it's okay. like by Assyria, Israel, um, Jordan, Lebanon, that area, right? Um, right. So, like right. you know, the Middle East, you know, but. Uh, it, it, that like it probably consisted of like a crushed grain with, mixed with water, and then like the the resultant dough was probably like laid onto like a, a rock in a fire, right, or like a rock on embers, and like so like this was like a flatbread. Like, okay, all these yeah. things I'm talking about, you know, like the the earliest one with the with the the beaten starches and stuff was definitely a flatbread, right? Like you need the gluten to make an expanded r- risen bread, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> so. Around 10,000 BC, like you said, was when agriculture spread. And 
agriculture kind of agriculture and bread making kind of go hand in hand right really like there's arguments over still like whether alcohol or bread was the first thing that like kicked off agriculture you know because like it's one of those two things right. i kind of lean towards alcohol like if you think about it man like i mean bread is great right bread's awesome but like people can hunt and gather very easily you know like you can live and survive and just be you know go throughout mm-hmm. your whole life great like if i mean in especially in ancient times you know there's no bread and steak and potatoes exactly i mean yes sure, <laughs> yeah, exactly. legit. yeah that's right. very true though right like you can have yeah. meat and potatoes you know, like you don't need you can scavenge both those things you know like yeah. that's literally a tuber and meat you know so like but yeah. like beer is something else like you have to like grow something like yes you could get gra- gather enough grain or enough fruit or something like that to make it but like it's much easier if you were to like plant something and then you know have a big stock of it to make this alcohol that gets y'all messed up right <laughs> like you know i want to get f- up let's let's make this beer <laughs> right even the slaves of egypt were given fermented alcohol at the end of the day right yes the slaves slavery in egypt was not when we'll get it like we're not going to talk about that today but i definitely want to talk about egypt and pyramids and all that stuff okay okay even in ancient egypt building pyramids people had alcohol yeah yeah definitely yeah they were actually one of the first people to make alcohol i think we're the first people to make beer and and the other thing is dysentery at several different points in early civilization people who didn't drink as much water as they did alcohol and it was like through some sort of a purification process where x amount of times yes. less likely to get dysentery and f- die exactly yep no that was a big thing with alcohol is that you could drink it like what i was kind of joking when i said you know they just wanted to get messed up like yeah really the biggest thing was you could drink it and not worry about getting sick because alcohol killed the microbes you know um i mean yes you know obviously people do like to get intoxicated they get inebriated Mm -hmm. right but like yeah i think the main reason was what you were saying you know and the egyptians were actually like you know like i said were the first to create beer Mm -hmm. but they were also the first people like to to refine the fermentation and use wheat to make bread right now there was like the first evidence for leavened bread okay. leavened means like re- you know bread that's froze like you know puffy bread right oh okay yeah yeah like a leavening agent right is like yeast or baking so- soda or baking powder those are called leavening right. agents typically baking soda baking powder are called that i don't think yeast is called leavening agent maybe it is <laughs> um like in mesopotamia around 6000 bc so you're talking you know 8000 year, 8000 years ago they that's the first evidence of a leavened bread but that was using ash that wasn't using yeast right and they this wow. was the sumerians that were <laughs> were doing this okay in okay. southern mesopotamia which is like modern uh modern day iraq iran uh and that's like the okay. cradle of civilization you know people talk about <laughs> but the egyptians right. though around like this was like i think around more like 3000 bc they refined this process or it seems like they took a lot of the knowledge from the sumerians you know or maybe got the a lot of like the bread making knowledge from it but they were able to refine it and like realize that like yeast is the thing that lets it grow better you know like net and that you can get it naturally yeast is floating around the air all over the place you know or on the grains of the of the wheat or whatever or whatever grain you're using right well so if if we go back to say episode three or whatever it was where we were talking about it, and I think it was Frog who brought it up, but all the trading from back in the day, I mean, it, it wouldn't be that hard to imagine that some Mesopotamian trader would come over and then like either show someone 
mm-hmm. bring it and have it be deconstructed or even with like traveling with it the way that it would sit in whatever container or out in the open or whatever yeah for me like yep. no for sure man like that is definitely like so this is around like the early bronze age was like 3500 bce you know in the late bronze age like around 1200 so like yeah i'm talking bronze age was when like fermented dough was i think really when it like took off okay and during that time yeah like right. there was a ton of trade especially in the mediterranean it was mm-hmm. like there's evidence of so much different like trading networks and stuff like that really good uh podcast i listened to tides of history um if you want to know about that like it's well researched to plug something yeah <laughs> but uh just to plug yeah. somebody who's not us <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but uh so the egyptians they also developed ovens too so like it wasn't you know just the fermentation all that like they developed like instead of like cooking it on a rock you know like they're like hey what if we just like made a little chamber to put the bread in <laughs> and, yeah that uh, is crazy dude like i did number yeah. one i didn't know that they did that but then like to know that literally the adventation of bread as we know it and ovens as they came to be is from egyptians and almost like cross correlated it's mm-hmm. interesting yeah the egyptians they did so much like i don't know if they necessarily contributed like i want to say they contributed to a lot of things but they like in were the first to do a right, lot of things yeah. you know and maybe they did contribute through like trade and stuff like that but it like you know they were such an ancient civilization and we've talked about this i think i think back in episode three and stuff like that like mm-hmm. uh like they're just they've been around for so long you know, for so long <laughs> but um but you know so like the egyptians the greeks the romans all these people like like being able to bake bread and stuff like that like they consider that an, a sign of civilization right and right. and kind of agree with that you know like be, yeah. i mean not necessarily like i can't say that because like you know even in asia well, they don't use like you know asians don't really make bread they're they're or especially in southeast yeah, asia you know that's they're true. they're more rice and noodles you know but they're very advanced civilization but i would say like you know in that at that time period in europe and stuff yeah like, not being a hunter gatherer tribe for every amount of square miles per capita or whatever is, is yeah is what they're saying i would guess exactly right? yeah. Like, yeah, because you need, like, you know, special, again, you need agriculture to do that. Like, you know, so, yeah, all this stuff's invented, right? Right. And then bread really doesn't change for, like, 3,000 years, essentially. <laughs> like, it wasn't really until, like, the 1800s where, like, there was, like, new inventions in the way to make bread and things like that. Like, it, yeah. it, you know, it's always just been this painstaking, laborious process that, like, really isn't ever been mass-produced until the Industrial Revolution. And th- that came, um, and like I said, in, 186, in the 1800s, 1862, um, what, this industrial process was developed by a guy named John Douglish. I think it, like, Douglish. it's spelled, yeah, it's spelled D-A-U, but it, I think it's Douglish or Douglish or something. He's kind of Doug. <laughs> yeah, he's a little. He, but not too he's much. He's a little Douglish. He's Douglish. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but he used uh, carbonated water, you know, and like instead of yeast and that made the dough rise. So okay. like by doing that, he was able to like quickly make bread, right? Because right. to go to make bread, like it's it's a lo- like it's a time consuming thing. It's not necessarily laborious, but it's like you mix everything up, then you let it sit, you let that rise. Then often you punch it back down, mix it some more, then let it rise again. But sometimes you just after that you you know roll it up, put it in a pan. Either way, you put it in your your baking pan, right. and then you let that rise again. It has to proof, you know. It has to it has to rise up inside the loaf pan, and then you cook it. Mm-hmm. So like this can take, you know, anywhere yeah. from you know 
four to 48 hours or more, you know, and like that's, you know, if you're trying to make bread like in a mass, produce it for dinner, no, not even for dinner, like for, yeah, but yeah, for exactly for dinner, but like to mass produce bread, you can't be like, that takes too much time, right? Yeah. Way worse. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So like to be able to make this, this dough rise that quickly and everything, like that was a big thing. And like that actually dominated for like a hundred years. But, like, it wasn't – it didn't taste good. Like, it didn't have yeast in it. Yeast adds the flavors, adds the aroma and everything. Right. Like, oh, man, like, making – I love making bread. Like, I actually have been, like, almost making a different type of bread every single week lately. Oh, but okay. Like, every every weekend, it's – oh, man, I love it. Like, the smell of it and everything is just My mom would make homemade bread, dude, and that is oh, one of the so things. Good. Like, even just seeing it – because she would do that, too. Like, you know, lay it out, knead it, and it's in there in the dough, and then it rises up before you're even able to put it in the oven. And like, exactly. Yeah. Like even mm-hmm. just seeing that, I would always be like, oh, snap. Nice. Because yeah. you're right. Like having that loaf and smelling it, even though like I feel like modern sensibilities, like it's it's almost different. Bread mm-hmm. to a lot of people is probably your average everyday bag of bread. Right. But then like you exactly. get that spats or a homemade loaf mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's the texture and the smell of it is so different that you're like. It, it's yes. like bread plus. Yeah. And you, well, and this is the thing. This is perfect lead in, Kyle, because in 1961, there was a guy that, well, not even a guy. It was an institute in the, in Great Britain that created the Chorleywood bread process. And that is why bread that you buy at the store nowadays doesn't take anything like the bread that you make at home is this Chorleywood right. process. What that is, is they add a bunch more yeast um a bunch like uh some vitamins and a fat and they need the crap out of it like way faster than you would able you'd be able to do with like even like a stand mixer you know at home you know like a, a KitchenAid or something okay, like that right and that like heats everything up and makes it like rise from the heat and all that and they do that in like three minutes and right. from that that's like the initial proof right so like that just cuts out you know tons of hours of work and then yeah they also are able to use um, like a lower protein dough to to do that, and that makes like a lighter airier dough, which is why like the, right. you know it's like that. Um, and it also rises faster because of that. That's that's how modern bread is made, and why it's so cheap. Also, like because they can use like a crappier wheat yeah. and all that, you know. So like like that blew my mind when I read that. I didn't know anything about that until I started researching the yeah. subject, and because I, I never knew like why is it so much. I've always tried to like. I mean, you know, Food I don't want exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't, yeah, like I don't want like you know your Wonder Bread, like, but I wanted to make a nice sandwich bread. Like that's what I've been trying to achieve. Right, you know, like yeah. one that lasts and doesn't dry out and all that. Like, yeah, like I can never do that. No. I can never make a Wonder Bread, even if I wanted to. Like I could never make a Wonder Bread because I don't have the equipment and the like the chemicals in industrial level kneading and yeah you know. so like it is it's crazy but you know and so ever since then like that's been the big thing mm-hmm. but i want to talk about some of the different types of breads in the world you okay. know because there's tons of different types of breads grains right so like like flatbread is most common in like the middle east and asia and africa and i'm like flatbreads are awesome you're talking I'm shout talking, out to non bread yeah i was just about to say you're talking <laughs> your nons your pitas you know all them yeah. like oh i love them man like a non, as I a lover of hummus non bread is yeah well, you're talking the pita bread, go pita and hummus, pita and hummus. But no, I love non bread and hummus because never... it's doughier. That's true. That's true. I guess you know, mix them. Pita bread is adjacent to hummus, yes, but I'm that's saying very true. 
non-bread with hummus is better because you get that like that soft doughy texture with your hummus and it wow literal chef's kiss Mm -hmm. (laughs) but continue that does sound good yes so these flatbreads right like i said earlier the earliest forms of of bread unleavened i think non might be leavened or a little bit you know but uh, definitely pita is not or pita actually i just made it i just made pita last week you you throw it in the fridge you want it cold so it doesn't rise like if it rises you want to push it back down because like you want to keep it yeah yeah it's really simple it's literally just like water flour salt and oil like that's it yeah. i just think it's crazy you can make that out of you know just adds a couple things you got yourself bread but the early yeah. things though the main grains were used for like corn or maize like in south america or like barley and millet mm-hmm. and buckwheat barley and uh buckwheat i think were more like europe millet was more like in africa and things like that but like those you know those things they okay. lack gluten and gluten which you know like is a, a bad guy nowadays and a lot of things but like i mean there is people with celiac obviously like that is bad but like i think pe- some people freak out about gluten a little bit too much right because right. like it's actually super important to make bread because like that lets it hold the 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 gas from the yeast in is the gluten like it, mm-hmm. it, it's a protein that binds all that together though the two main grains that have that are wheat and rye so that's why you see like rye bread all the time and then obviously right. you got your wheats Millet cake and naan uh, and roti, which I don't know what roti is, but I might have to look that up because I love Indian food. Uh, those are popular in India. But uh, teff, wheat, and sorghum uh, are used to make injera, which is like this okay. spongy flatbread in, in Ethiopia and Eritrea. Which I need to look that up because like there's a lot of good African recipes and they're not you don't see them that much in in America or at least in our area in Michigan you don't see African recipes very often. But yeah. There's some delicious African dishes. Uh, there, there's just chapati, which is a wheat flatbread and that's popular in East Africa. So I might have to look that one up too. I've heard of that before, chapati. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. But like wheat pita bread, like we were saying, is that they use wheat mm-hmm. to make it in the Mediterranean and the Middle East. Um, corn, like I was saying, was made uh, is used for tortillas in south america mm-hmm. corn is a uh, corn itself you know like corns actually was a, a name for like just grains in general in old you know ancient days oh, okay. like maize yeah uh you like see it like wrote like you know he made a bunch of bread with corn and like that the 1200s you're like wait, <laughs> you know, yeah, wait what? it is a new world thing but yeah. yeah no so maize uh that uh they use that to make tortillas. And then in Brazil, they make like cakes uh, with cassava, uh, which that's like a root. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, you know, in Asia, like especially in like Japan and stuff, like uh, Japan, Vietnam, Southeast Asia, uh, they use rice. But it, after World War II, bread became a little more popular because I think of, you know, the U.S. presence. Like rye bread, that's big in like uh, Germany, Russia, and the Scandinavian countries. Those are really where you see a lot of rice. Okay. In the U.S., we use wheat. Like we're big wheat guys in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? And like white yeah. bread's most common. I'm sorry I didn't look up bleaching. I don't know why. That was like – that should have been the first thing I looked up. But <laughs> To me, it's, it's one of the things that's normalized. But like realistically, I don't even want to promote it that much because mm-hmm. like – I feel like one of the reasons bread is, like you were talking about with gluten, like it has this kind of like, hold your crucifix up, back up from the bread, it's dangerous, is because like, you're eating, you know, homogenized processed food, you're eating Exactly. When really, bread can be the most basic thing you ever eat. Like, seriously, it's like, again, it's water, salt, and flour. Like, that's all bread need. That's all you need. Yeah, if you're you're overindulging in it or you're not, like, if you're Mm -hmm. on a diet, I understand you going, like, I'm avoiding bread. Well, to expound upon that, right? 
whole wheat flour is like that's where they contain some of the the outer germ, right? That's where they like whole wheat. Like when you see whole wheat, that is that's good. That's good, right? You should use whole wheat, but it's not right. like it's not the entire grain. Like it could be like broken up and everything like that, or like only contain partially mm-hmm. the whole grain. Like half of it is whole grain, half of it is the you know just the inner the inner part, right? Like so, what you want to like if you really mm-hmm. want good bread, you should get whole grain, not whole wheat. So look for whole grain bread. If you like, that's what you're like, and especially multi-grain's right. the best. Like that's you know that's where you got a bunch of different types of grains and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's what you should look for. You know, it, it is like I don't know. Some people don't like the taste. I love the taste of multi-grain. I prefer it over white bread. So and then. You know, you got all your sweet breads and stuff, all your buns and your rolls and your sweet, your sweet and spice breads. I'm not going to go into those today. Right. Add sugar, add fruits, add all these random things into, into bread, and that makes it different. You know, <laughs> it makes delicious stuff. Right. Just quickly to go over, like, kind of the science of, of like, the way bread works. And I'm not going to get in, like, super detailed. But, like, yeah. the species of yeast is is actually the, used in both beer and bread. Like, it's the same species. It's Saccharomyces cerevisiae. And... That like there is different subspecies within that species that are used for specific ones, but I thought that was pretty cool. Like that it's is really, super it's, cool. it's yeah, it's the same thing. Like so, like which again leads back to the beginning of agriculture and beer, beer and bread and being the same thing and mixed together. Right. I guarantee, like they were one of one of the same. Or you know, if they weren't, if one wasn't invented before the other, it, it was at the same time. Do you ever you know? wonder if it was like made on accident at one point? Like one guy spilled oh, yeah. like a bunch of water in there and it was like, hey, wait a minute, siphon. Get- that out <laughs> let's cook it yeah no beer definitely it had to have been bread probably maybe bread probably not i don't know bread they probably were just like let's right. mix this up add some water so it's easier to mix and then they cooked it you know and then like yeah when the dough ferments like i was saying the yeast releases gases mostly co2 and from like eating the sugars within the bread and that releases gases the gluten within there holds the gases in. And that from that, that causes the expansion. Like that's how bread expands. Okay. The the mixture of like all the different uh the different fats and the proteins and the carbohydrates in there are kind of like what create this mass. It's really it's really cool how, you know, this flour, this dry product can be mixed with water and it creates like it a completely different thing you know right. than a liquid or a solid you know it's almost like a, a solid liquid in a way you know it's just, it's a dough <laughs> you know there's not many things that are like doughy in in nature or in like like in cooking either you know it's just really cool i su- highly suggest baking bread at home it's super easy so bake some bread people and uh you know with that kyle you want to lead us out And with that, we'd love to thank you for joining us here at the Brain Soda Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Patreon, TikTok, YouTube, and we will see you again here soon. See ya. Blamity blam. Brain soda.